Big Fluff. something to say huh we can't give up uh, is that it Ed? Right. We can't give up. We're a family. And we're not going down without a fight. Great speech, Dad. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And... While we may still be at the kids' table for one more week, I don't know. We might be at the dude's table today. Well, let's check real quick. Okay, I'm a dude. You're a dude. The listeners are we're a dude. We're all dudes. Yeah, we're all dudes. Hey, all right. And we're watching out. Good Burger 2, Home of the Good Burger. <laughs> yeah, too good, too burger. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is exciting. This is our fastest turnaround that we have ever done. On an yes, episode. This, this movie came out on the 22nd, and you're listening to it, if you listen to it, release day on the 27th. It's already maligned. And it's already maligned. We just are so sure. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty safe bet. Yeah, I mean, the critics' reviews are, are minimal. This is a straight-to-streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Um, and I think a good place to start is, who is this movie for? I it can't be for kids now. I think that's a safe bet that it is not for Gen Z children. No, it is not for the Gen Alpha eight year olds. Yeah. But at the same time, like script pacing, dialogue, plot, all of that is absolutely for eight year olds. Oh yeah. I guess it's the idea is that it would be for uh, you know, someone who grew up watching this show, who now has kids who are trying to get their kids to watch the show. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that is, you know, a lot of us watched all that. I think I mean, we were I think you and I are just a little too old to have really been in the key demo for all that. Yeah, it was a little late. I was, you know, I was aging out. Yeah, um, I was in like. Later high school, beginning of college, sort of at that heyday. Yeah. I was still aware of it. And I mean, I definitely knew who Keenan and Kel were. And yeah. And I remember gang. when the movie came out, like, yeah, I, I definitely have a memory of it. I think, look, you know what? I have an answer for you. This movie is for Kel Mitchell. You know what? Sure. I think that's right. Yeah. I think because we talked about this, we, if people haven't heard, you can go back and listen. We did the original Good Burger on this show. And in November, I believe. Oh, maybe, yeah, it, I think it was uh, another Thanksgiving one. Maybe last yeah. year. What is time? But time is a flat circle. Time uh, isn't holding us. Time isn't after us. Or time is an asterisk. I never. What does he say? Does he say time is an asterisk? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Yes. He does. That's what he says. 
But whatever he says, you know, it doesn't change, though, because it's the same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Okay. Anyway, but uh, no, if you go back and listen to when we did the first Good Burger, which might have been last year, but it was in November. I know it was two. It was was definitely last year because we did the toy movies last year. Okay, so then two years ago. But one thing we kind of talked about was that there is this fascinating thing where if you just watched that movie and you were asked to predict which one of the two stars of this movie will go on to have breakout success on SNL, you would have picked Kel Mitchell every time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a knock on Kenan Thompson, who is great, but it's just, this is a star vehicle for Kel. And I, it seems like him and Kenan Thompson really care about each other. I know that he made a, an appearance on SNL fairly recently that, I have to imagine that it was for them, that it was an excuse for them to get back together and make this. And also for Keenan Thompson to get some paychecks for some of the lesser used SNL cast members. Yeah, that uh, the weird guy that looks like a character in a Johnny Depp movie. Um, Pete, Pete Davidson. Davidson. Is, is Pete Davidson the weird guy? <laughs> no, but he does. He does. He does sort of look like the uh, the hide from Wednesday. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's all your favorites. We know all their names. We don't need to go through them. No, we know. We know the, the whole crew. Molly Carney. Molly Carney. Ego Wodum. Ego Wodum. Yeah. I was hoping for more Ego Wodum when I saw that that she was playing Ed's wife. It is kind of weird that they set her up as Ed's wife, but just in one scene. And then they do further scenes in Ed's house and we still don't see her. And, and that was a weird choice. So um, the third performer reprising their role from the original Good Burger, Carmen Electra, shows up. Yes. Yeah, it's a and fake Kenan Thompson, Dexter, uh, trips over his own jaw. Yeah. Thinking that Carmen Electra was uh, Ed's wife. Because Ed now has five children, however many kids. He has a lot of kids. Many kids. Yeah. There's Ed Jr., there's Side of Mayo, there's Pickles, who can glow in the dark. Ketchup. Ketchup. And then, yeah. Yeah. There's another one, too. Mustard. Um, And here's the thing. Then it's revealed in Carmen Electra... Obviously, a sex symbol of the late 90s and early aughts. Mary Dennis Rodman, as it did most of us. Yeah. I, I didn't um, marry him, but I did team up with him to win the WCW tag titles. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. For life. <laughs> um, and then. It, he's like, oh, wait, no, he's married to Ego Wodum. Who's also gorgeous. I just. But he's just like, okay. For the record, Ego Wodum can get it. <laughs> if we're just, to put it on the record, yes. Yeah. Just, just putting that out there. Um, and a, a Maryland resident, former, uh, grew up in Baltimore. So that's a thing. No, I'm a big fan of Ego Wodum. She's great. I, I am too. No, she's incredibly funny. Uh, you know, her uh, panel host, Nunya Business from the hip hop like legacy sketch sketches like she's really funny in those she's great she is yeah yeah um and also but like yeah just that scene struck me as odd 
It does. That, that I will say it, it, that scene kind of gets at it, but I would, I'd see with a lot of the SNL people that popped in, Pete Davidson being another one, it was just the kind of hit of going like, oh, wow, that's Pete Davidson. Oh, wow, that's Ego Wodum. And then that was it. Like they, they were really just playing, you know, speaking roles with one line that could have been anyone that were relying on you to be excited that they were there instead of actually setting them up to do something. Yeah, they were barely cameos. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if they count as cameos because it was just it just felt well, like I, they wrote a script and then that day Pete Davidson happened to be on set and was like, yeah, I'll well, say the line. I, I know why they, they don't count as cameos because they were there in person and it wasn't a video sent over uh, a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, put a pin in that one. We'll get back to that. But <laughs> but yeah. So that's why that's why it's they weren't cameos. Yeah. Uh, but also making cameos, Ron Funches. Ron Funches, but like Funches had he was in. He did a little bit more. He had he, a couple of scenes. He was in two scenes. Uh, I mean, they were probably shot at the same time because they were all of him as a security guard at his yeah. desk. But oh, he was there. He was on set for a day. It might have gone into two days, depending on the setups and you know if they were behind schedule. I mean, maybe. Yeah, it could have been the end of first day, start of the second day. But yeah. It could be. He, it, yeah, it, he didn't it, have a lot of time. No. Also, they probably got him out of there. He had about as much screen time as Mark Cuban did playing himself. <laughs> Mark Cuban had more lines playing himself uh, than Ego Wodum did playing Ed's wife. I think he had more speaking lines than anyone we've mentioned so far that wasn't Keenan Thompson or Kel. Like, cause, yeah, because he showed up in a post-credit stinger as well. Yeah. But yeah, there are a lot of cameos. I mean, Flula Borg had a whole, like, Food Network cameo. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out, this is the second movie this month that Liza Koshy has appeared. What was it? Uh, she was Wilma the Technician, and she was the best friend in Ruby Gilman. Oh, hey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, so t two Liza Koshy appearances. It was weird, by the way, that they, they got Josh Server, who was in the original. They did a whole joke where he had been frozen, and they unfroze him. But then again, he was there for about five seconds. Yeah, and then gone again. Which is, a, like, I do think that's a weird thing. I don't know if this is all, like, this was filmed during COVID or, like, just scheduling or whatever. But there's a lot of that, of, like, a lot of people showing up for five seconds of screen time. Like, Lori Beth Denberg did her one scene. Yeah. Yeah, it was... No Abe Vigoda this time. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why. I, I can't. I don't know. Yeah. Must have been busy. Probably. But yeah, I, 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 it's just like. I guess that goes back to your point of who is this for? Because obviously a kid is not. These cameos aren't going to mean anything to them. But if you're excited to see the people, I guess they're really just hoping that you're excited to see them. And not that they're going to do anything. Yeah, it's a, ooh, it's Young Gravy. 
And I know who that is. Me too. I understand that reference. I'm cool. And I'm yes. hip. I'm with it. And I think we've said enough about that because it's clear that we both know who Young Gravy is. Yeah, I think it's clear that we're both bussin'. Yeah. It's lit, fam. I hate this. I can't imagine the listeners like it. I That, that hurt me to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did write Ruby Gilman, so. That's, <laughs> that's true. I, by the way, I think the most random bit of casting is I love that the kid from Moonlight plays Kel's kid in this. Yeah. That's just a, that's a, that's an amazing career. I just want to say. <laughs> yeah. This kid who gives this phenomenal nuanced child actor performance in Moonlight, Alex Hibbert, then plays Ed Jr. <laughs> And look and kills it. I was going to say equally as good. I mean, you can see that he is a gifted child actor because he became a clone of Ed. Yeah, he plays him exactly like there is a little bit of if they wanted to do some kind of young Sheldon esque young Ed show. You got the kid. Yeah, um, I would say to the point that now. I may or may not have dozed off right around the second to third act of this movie. Okay. It might have happened. I'm not saying it did. Okay. But I'm saying it might have. Sure. Um, and uh, Ed was definitely with Keenan, and they were trying to break into Mega Burger, Mega Good Burger to, like, sabotage whatever, the, the whole MacGuffin plot at the end. Um, and then I thought it, at first I thought it was like, wait, is, did they just like have a huge continuity error and Ed is both in the sabotage and doing the ridiculous routine with Rose? But no, and then I was like, wait, no, that's Ed Jr. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You actually <laughs> mistook him. For a second. Yeah. And it's just because it was all far shots because they're obviously using a stunt woman for uh, Rose. So it wasn't right. like it was close ups. Yeah. Um. But then I was like, I think the fact that I didn't question that they may have made that big of a mistake in the movie <laughs> well, says something. I will say, I mean, it feels pointless to try to talk about plot things that bothered me. But just since you brought that up and, and it reminded me of it, I did have a moment. I don't know if anyone else cares about this. And to be honest... I don't even think I really care this much about this, but I feel like it's at least worth noting that. So the plot of this movie is that uh, Kenan Thompson's character just convinces Ed, who who now owns Good Burger because he saved the store in the last movie. It was willed to him when uh, the previous owner died, which is actually in itself funny because they're saying that the guy who died is actually... Uh, horrible real life monster Dan Schneider and that who is not in this movie and so that alone is like already hilarious that they're just like he's yeah. dead uh, but they say that Kel uh, you know the Ed now owns the store and he of course would never sell the store except Keenan Thompson who's now broke is you know gets this side deal to get him to sign it and of course it's the same evil corporation from the last movie but what got me is, so they do this whole plan to sabotage 
the the megacorp sure totally on board but then it's like and then megacorp completely went out of business and now they're running the original good burger again and it was like how you didn't bother to come up with any even like one line of explanation as to how that would get them out of this contract that they signed without reading and allow them to run their store after they had all been fired because they were yeah like i think it's it's one of those things even like a band-aid line we were talking about this when we did the ruby gilman one of like how many band-aid lines that movie has but just even one line of you know, well, they you get to keep the original good burger, but we control what happens to all the other good burgers or something. But then I guess the employees would or have something. been fired. I don't know. But there was just no justification as to how they got the good burger back. Because they did. Mm-hmm. And like, that's I don't know. The deal that they signed on the surface, I mean, clearly it was designed to screw them over, but like the deal as it was pitched to to Dexter sounded like a pretty sweet deal. Right. Ed still gets to run the original location and then they op- they franchise it. I, also, I don't know if we have any lawyers listening, but I do wonder, I feel like even if you didn't read the contract, if a guy promised you those things, I don't know, is there any kind of verbal, who knows if they have any kind of recourse for, I guess you're still supposed to read the contract. Yeah, I mean, it has, it's, the, it's the language of the contract you sign. Although I think that if you can prove that they misrepresented the contract in oral uh, agreements, then you might have some legal recourse. Yeah. But then again, I'm no, I am no lawyer. Neither am I. Um, yeah. And just like more hand waviness. Man, they opened up those franchise stores real quick. I think it's the next day and it's global, like, man. They had those, they had those construction, those buildings constructed. They had the robots ready to go. Yeah. They had all of the, the ed bots, the animatronics. Yeah. Which is the only promise that they keep was that they promised that he would be the face of the company. Yes. Which I think that's, you know, again, I, you know, I think we we're pretty favorable towards the original one, which I think is, a fun movie that has a lot of just like momentum that kind of carries it through. It's, you know, like it is what it is in terms of overall, but like, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's to rewatch. It is a nice nostalgia kick. Yeah. This one, it just, it it's, it's fun to see the two of them together, but I think overall it's the plot. It feels a lot more loosely strung together series of sequences than an actual story and it just somehow feels long even though it's only 90 minutes yeah that's that's often a problem we might be the two biggest supporters of the 90 minute movie in the world yeah yeah i think i've said on record before i'll watch any movie for this podcast if it's 90 minutes and we've definitely revealed before that that has been a determining factor in picking movies Yes, that we've we've tried to watch movies that are if one movie's 86 minutes and the other's 94, we're watching the 86. Yep. Yeah. If that if that's the only thing to break the tie, it is it is going. It's the 86 er all the way. So I got excited when I saw this was a 90 minute movie, but it you said you fell asleep or maybe fell asleep. And I I'm not saying I did or didn't. I'm saying it. There's a there's a there's rumors. 
but I definitely was an innuendo. I definitely felt like it dragged. Yeah, it's um, well, it, just because like there just didn't this movie didn't have any momentum. No, it never really did. You know, like even like the third act was kind of interesting with, you know, them trying to sneak into the mega global hyper mega net corp, whatever mega good burger corp. Um, and Jillian Bell, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but, uh, yeah, like that stuff was interesting, but like when the goons were trying to get him to sign the contract at the, the roller rink and well, I, I think that's like the kind of thing where there was a lot of things that felt like they could have paid off into something, but they're just. I, I think that's really what I everything I talk about, the more I think about it, it's like the cameos. It's like it's fun that you see the person and then you're waiting for them to do something and they don't. I felt the same way with the goons where it was like, OK, this is a fun idea. Like the goons are trying to intimidate Ed. He's Ed. So he's oblivious to the because they're making vague threats. He doesn't understand vague threats. So he doesn't even get what they're saying. And then he accidentally knocks them both out. Great. I'm into that. Yeah. Good idea. That's the only scene that happens, and then they never really do anything else or heighten it. Right, and because then the goons like are kind of slinking in the background, and then at the end of the movie decide they like Ed better, which, sure. Right. But yeah, I, I just, I think that so much of this movie is anytime it has an idea that feels really funny and feels like it has a lot of potential, it's it's only interested in a surface level joke instead of give, you know, like just continuing with it and seeing it through and going like, okay, what else can we do with these goons? You know, what else can we do with Ron Funches? You know, we have a security guard who, and the first time they see him, he's, he seems like he's going to stop them, but he's actually being really helpful. Wait, there's one more thing. You have to have your badge. Like every time it's like a bait and switch. And then the second time, He's just a regular security guard that isn't going to stop right. like that is going to stop them. So it's like that kind of thing. You know, if you what if they had a really elaborate plan to get past him the second time <laughs> and they're almost like disappointed that. Right. It, there's there's a lot of things where they could have played with the fact that that Ron Funch is one of the sweetest human beings ever by all reckoning. Yeah. Um, is playing the security guard and is is. You know, I mean, you hire Ron Funches to be Ron Funches. I'm sure he, he's a fantastic actor if, if required to do more than be Ron Funches. But man, is he good at being Ron Funches. Also, just the best use of Ron Funches ever is season one of the Harley Quinn. Oh, 100%. Animated show because it's already great because he plays King Shark. And so it's this big, terrifying shark. But he plays him as Ron Funches would. So he's this really cuddly, sweet guy. But then there's like they go through. I think it's like two thirds of the season or just towards the end of the season that he goes, I have a thing about blood. And you because you've been expected to believe it, you think like he's going to faint when he sees blood or whatever is a phobia. Yeah. And then instead he sees blood and just goes on a shark killing frenzy. Yeah. Just immediate feeding frenzy. Yeah. A plus. Yeah, it's it is. Harley Quinn's a, a phenomenal show. That's the best bit that they've done 100 percent. it's great no <laughs> i love ron funches uh yeah this um yeah i like uh, I, I this movie doesn't 
I don't have questions about the movie because th- there aren't answers anyway. Yeah. It, it's just a movie that exists. It is just a movie. I, I think that that's the unfortunate thing about it is, I guess I'd put it this way because I, I feel pretty ready to pivot, but I think to summarize both the problem and I guess the selling point is it's not. Wait, ter- I think I've got it. Okay. If this was better, it'd be good. Yeah. 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 That's uh, I think we owe uh, Davenport a check. Yeah, I think we do, too. We got to start writing him checks every time we use that. But yes. But uh, no, I, I think that like it, it. It's the kind of movie if you have an, a certain amount of nostalgia, if you liked the first one, you like these characters. It'll probably hit the right centers of the brain for you to go like, oh, that's nice. You know, sure. OK, but you're going to forget it in a week. There's nothing in it. It doesn't hold up. It's a perfect streaming movie in that it'll get you to, you know, maybe to hold your kids attention while you're wrapping some presents or something, or you put it on in the background while you're cooking. And maybe it'll get you to go back and rewatch the first good burger. And then you'll never watch this one again. Yeah, there's like. Unless there's an Ed Jr. movie, and then I might have to rewatch this when the Ed Jr. movie comes out or young Ed. I think there's potential or young Ed, young Ed in the the proud tradition of young Sheldon and young rock comes young Ed. two finest shows that have ever existed. I think they're both great. You know, like no notes. No, you don't. (laughs) I've never watched. I watched one episode of young rock, I think, and I've never seen young Sheldon. Yeah, I've watched a couple episodes of young rock. I've never watched Young Sheldon. I mostly I watched it because they were promising some wrestling thing that I was like, oh, this would be great. And then it ended up annoying me because of it not really adhering to the actual story and all of the casting for everyone who wasn't The Rock was not good. That sounds right. But other than that. No notes. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, I'm I think I'm ready to pivot. I don't yeah, know. no, I'm ready to pivot. Kel Mitchell. Kel Mitchell, again, I, it's, he plays this character so charismatically. He makes me laugh in all of these movies. He's incredibly talented. And I find myself anytime I watch him in this role, questioning why he didn't have a bigger career. Yeah, it's. And, and I have to assume that he's capable of other things because he did a lot of characters on all that in the Keenan and Kel show and yeah. various and sundry things. And he's funny and he's talented and he's good looking and he's charismatic. And yeah, I don't know why he wasn't a bigger deal. Yeah. Uh, but I also let's there are there were several moments and I'm going to see if I can remember all of them that did get sincere laughs from me throughout this movie one was the opening clip that we played which did like sincerely i think it is such an a plus bit of yeah no it's great the inspirational speech of just one line and then it's just the, pl- the swelling score the swelling score while absolutely nothing is happening and it's all just the facial reactions from the people listening as if ed is giving an inspirational speech and then them all jumping on board. I, I, I think that's great. I think that's a great, like, sincerely an A-plus comedic joke. No, because it's infinitely funnier if they use the same, than if they use the same time for him to give a funny, inspirational speech. 
Yeah, no, it's because you've seen the inspirational speech. It, like, it's playing off of what you expect to happen in that moment. We all know we've seen a million versions of this. And we like those speeches and they're fun, but because we we know that the speech is there and that that's the moment for it to not do it is hilarious. Like, I, no, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, the, like that, that was a really good joke. I also loved. I mean, the <laughs> pitch perfect. Parody of the imagine video that was made when all the celebrities immediately lost their minds right like i think it was a day into when we were all in lockdown that it was within it was lockdown started like march 13th it was may at the latest i think the email went out march 14th to try to start getting the celebrities but yeah, they there was I mean everybody I know knows this, but yeah, it was this big video where all these celebrities sang Imagine and they all filmed it on their cell phones. And the fact that they just did that with you know, all these celebrities, including George Clinton. Why not George Clinton? Yeah. And got some there was Run DMC in there. Yep. Yeah. No. It was, it was. It was a pretty impressive list of people that they got. Zoe Saldana. <laughs> like, yeah, Zoe Saldana. It was also um, shout out to Sam Andy Samberg, who is sincerely singing it like he's doing the Imagine video. Like he was yeah. so committed to it. I loved it. But yeah, Gronk no, was one of them. Yeah, Nicole Richie was there. Bowen Yang, Chrissy Teigen. Mikey Day yeah. was also there. Sean White. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that, I, again, I thought that was a really good bit and that really amused me. I also, I don't know how you were on it. I, the opening, uh, the first scene that Kenan Thompson is in cracked me up because it's such, that's such a joke that I love where it's like so obvious, but you're just waiting for that payoff of, I am so confident that this thing that I invented will work, that I'm going to light my own house on fire. And to heighten it, I'm putting fireworks in my house and the house just burning behind him. That will always like those types yeah, no, of jokes great. always get me so simple. So good. Yeah. So I like that. I liked the, yeah, the house catching on fire. Um, another one that got a genuine laugh out of me just because it was so simple is for whatever reason, like Ed Sr. is training Ed Jr. And he says, and remember, if they want a cola, don't put the lid on before you fill it up. And he's like, wait, does that work for root beer too? He's like, oh, yeah, it works for root beer too. It's like, what about orange soda? I don't know. Let me check. <laughs> yeah. And it's just great because like it's. Man, there's nothing I love than smart stupidity in comedy. Like, yeah, it's oh, which I, that actually so does good. remind me of another bit that really did amuse me. Where it's when they first reveal Jillian Bell is the villain, which they also do a full Bond villain reveal. Like she is Blofeld. <laughs> they they turn her in the chair, and she's like, "It's me," and they both have no idea who she is. And then she explains that she's the sister of the villain from the previous movie. Uh, and then she says, like, I'm sure you all remember that. 
and Ed goes something to the effect of like, no, I don't remember your brother trying to steal our secret sauce and then us thwarting him and all that. And then uh, Keenan Thompson goes, she didn't say anything about the secret sauce. Then he goes, oh, I guess I do remember. <laughs> that got yeah, me. It's a great joke. It's a good joke. Um, The twins. The twins was a good joke. So, yeah, the the whole thing being that there were twins. Uh, that twin set everything line in, cooks. Yeah, twin line cooks who set everything in unison, who uh, like Ed thought was one person and it kept freaking him out. Well, yeah. And just the fact that like they're introduced as this is Mindy, who's sometimes Cindy. She's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and then her sister Cindy shows up. Yes. But yeah, he's confused. And then they, they pay off that at the end that his head literally explodes when they get their other sister. It turns their out they're triplets. Tri yeah. They're triplets. Plus, I thought that was the best part of their plan, which I actually think this sequence was the best all around, which was that to get into the control room, their plan was they had one of the guys go in and go like, here's the toxic waste that you ordered. <laughs> and then he gets bumped and drops it on the ground. And what they do is they have one of the, the twins walk in and breathe in the thing and then she walks out of the room switches out with her sister who has all this like makeup on her face to you know prosthetics to look like her face is melting to get them all to run out of yeah, the room. Yeah, it was a solid gag. Yeah, that's good. That's a good use of them. It's a quality joke. Yeah, that it's um I don't know. I, I liked that his family is all named after burger accoutrement. Yeah. That Except it's, it's ketchup, too. mustard, bun bun, no mayo. Like it's 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 just a good bit. Yeah. And Ed Jr. Yeah. No, that was good. Oh, and when he's like, this is pickles, my third favorite. <laughs> it's like you can't say that. No. Which was Keenan's response to that. And it's just like that's like it's a good joke. Yeah. No, that is a good joke. Yeah, it, there's there are some legit good laughs in this movie. It's infinitely forgettable. Um, I will probably forget about all of these jokes in the next week or so. But uh, they had some they were some good genuine laughs. Also, some solid needle drops in this movie as well. Like there was yeah, the music was good. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, just some songs I had forgotten about, like some stuff that I hadn't heard in a while. Like, yeah, no, good, good soundtrack. Um, Jillian Bell's a good villain. Yeah, I wish they used her a little bit more. You know, like made her more villainous because I think that's a really good gear for her. Yeah. Like she was really good in like 22 Jump Street, which is a movie we could probably talk about on this podcast. I think she's um, the best part of 22 Jump Street. It's either her or Wyatt Russell are the two best parts of 22 Jump Street. Yes. That is, that is accurate. But no. Um, yeah, yeah, like just her making fun of Jonah Hill is all, like a very good bit about how old he looks in that movie. Yes. Um, but no, she's like... And I thought it was like a good choice to... It was a good angle to be like, I'm the automation person. Like, so she had like a very clear gimmick and that all made sense. Like she had the AI gloves and the, 
the robot dog that's incredibly terrifying and, you know, all that stuff. Which just looks like the exact dog from that video that they made. Remember the video where the, all the robots were dancing? Like he does. I think it is the same dog. I, like, I think it literally might be that dog. But like, yeah, to actually. Uh, yeah, like the all. And I mean, I, I feel like it's a pretty solid update of, you know, if you're going to basically find a way to rehash the original premise that the threat this time around is automation. I also did like I like that they leaned into like they sabotage the automation so it fails but then at the end you get ed explaining how they can never be replaced and then he walks by a customer who said they wanted no ice and he just puts his hand into the cup <laughs> fishes out the ice and is like here you go like just great that like you're simultaneously saying we can't be replaced by automation and showing that how he, incompetent he is yes which is still um, i think a level that there's not quite my favorite part of the first one was where he kind of had that Kaiser Soze reveal that he had actually done this like master plan. And, you know, like there was a big payoff at the end of the first one where you're like, oh, my God, is he actually smart kind of thing? And they right. didn't quite nail that this time. But I did like that instead of a he was like, no, I didn't erase the files. I reprogrammed all the robots to go haywire. Because. Erasing the files and shutting them down would only delay them from opening. This they're never going to be able to open again. Yeah, like well, the moments where I think they balance that well, which is always a tricky thing of the like he's dumb but lovable, but also just competent enough that it justifies. Because I think that is a tricky thing in stuff like this. It, it was something that. As much as I think The Office is a great show, that was something that later seasons of The Office started to really bug me, where you get into a point of like, you're making Michael Scott too annoying and too dumb that I don't think he could keep this job. He drove into a lake because he misunderstood his GPS and not like he cut the wheel hard. He slowly and methodically drove into the water. Like, if he's that dumb, I don't think he can right. hold down his job um, anymore. They, there's just enough moments of saving grace for Ed's character. That it's more that he's just, like, clueless. Yes. Well, also, I, I kind of like this dynamic that I think is really smart that it's revealed that he he owns Good Burger now because he saved the company the first time that it was willed to him, but he's not in charge of it. So he just works there doing his same job and he hired a manager who's, you know, supposedly his boss, but also defers to him. That's another scene I really liked when he's doing the mock interview with Keenan and he's like, wait, I have to take a phone call. What? The baby's coming? <laughs> Which I think it's great because, yeah, so he does this whole thing to prepare him for his interview with this guy and does all that. And then the guy comes in and is young, has no wife, doesn't have a baby on the way, and also immediately hires him. So literally every part of the role playing was inaccurate. Yeah, because I think that the, the more likely angle <laughs> and would have been just as funny is if that phone call actually happened during the interview. That would have been good, too. Yeah. Um, but I think this was smarter in, in, in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> when he's just like, yeah, anyone who's a friend to Ed's is, is good enough to work here. Yeah. 
Oh, and then there's like other great bits of logic when they're like, why is Rose the driver? It's like, well, she's too old to work the register. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's like, yeah, that checks out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're like, it's it's fun enough. Yeah, it, it is. It is fun enough. Um. I think maybe in the in the course of discussing this movie with you, I've I've grown to like it more, but it I, like I think it just speaks to how forgettable the movie is on the whole. Yeah, I think so. So, but you know, like I said, it's it's our fastest that we've ever gone. It's our quickest for- turnaround. Yeah, it's our quickest turnaround. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see how history remembers. Good. Yeah, we'll see if history judges us correctly or not. Um. Because literally this movie, we are actually watching, we are recording this the day this movie released on streaming. Yeah, so that it could come out uh, the following Monday, which is when you're listening to it now. So that's how time right. works. Yeah. That is how time works. Yeah. That we are, we are speaking to you from a, a distant past. But I think, you know, now that we're, we're what, three, this is our four, we're into our fourth year of doing this mm-hmm. and we can do a movie the day it comes out. I think by year six or seven. We can actually record one of these before a movie comes out. When they do Morbius 2, I, I think... I guarantee we can do Morbius 2. I get, we might be able to do Craven before it comes out. <laughs> I mean, I played that Spider-Man 2 video game, so I feel ready. <laughs> I haven't, but I still feel ready. And I, I watched the old 90s Spider-Man cartoon. <laughs> and I can't wait to do Madam Web. Look, we're doing all the... <laughs> All the non-Spider-Man Spider-Man movies. All the Sony-verse Spider-Man. That's our All promise All the live-action Sony-verse Spider-Man movies. How is it that the same place makes the Spider-Verse movies and all of these live-action movies? I don't know. It doesn't... Because the Venom movies are, like, barely watchable. But they're not good. They're not good. I, I didn't say good. Yeah. I said barely watchable. They are barely watchable. Morbius was awful. It was. I fully expect Madam Web and Craven to be awful. I don't even understand Madam Web. I found that trailer so confusing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I guarantee we'll be talking about it next year, though. <laughs> yep. And and yeah, and when Morbius Two Morbin Time comes out, we'll have that the day before for you to all to Morb to Eus. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that, look, that's going to do it for us. We did it. We're going to wrap yeah, up this one. Yeah, we definitely did it. We're going to get up from this kid's table. We're going to get some pie. And, and I mean, we're going to watch Christmas movies. We're going to watch Christmas movies. And I think the only fitting way to go out this week is to to play a little bit of that celebrity-laden Good Burger oh, yeah. song. So please enjoy. There's a burger place on each and every street But there's only one that matters when you need something good to eat Today is the day when all dudes must unite To come and do together for a cause that is just right good burger back Yeah, I don't know, but maybe. You gotta give it back now, give. Good Give good back.
Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Philip. And Katie. And Bridget. And we're three friends who like movies. Especially movies of yore when we were small and everything seemed awesome. Now we're revisiting these bright shining beacons of our youth and figuring out if they are for real. So sit back and relax and revisit the best, the worst, and everything in between from the 80s and 90s. And find out, is, is it? it?